Thank you for accessing this audio resource from Glad Tidings Church. This is Pastor Tim Rice. I hope you enjoy the message and receive some benefit from it. If you do, please let us know. Send your comments to info at gladtidings.church. Now, here's this week's message. This morning as we return to the book of Exodus, we have come to chapter 3. And uh, let me remind you that at this point Moses has fled from Egypt after he has killed an Egyptian um, in his own attempt, that's Moses' own attempt to advocate for, if not to deliver his people, the Hebrew uh, people. And so he flees from the face of Pharaoh. He flees from the land of Egypt. And the Bible says that he took up residence in the land of Midian, and he lived in Midian for 40 years. He lived in Egypt for 40 years. Now he'll live in Midian for 40 years. And while he's there in Midian, he marries a woman named uh, Zipporah. And Zipporah is actually the daughter of Reuel, or as we will see, Jethro, who the Bible describes as the priest of Midian. And today's passage that we're going to read in just one second will reveal that during those years, during those 40 years while he was in Midian, Moses the Bible says, tended the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. So he was put in charge of tending the flocks of Jethro. And listen, and that's all that we know about this 40-year um, period up to this point. Just like the 40-year period in Egypt was relatively silent about Moses' life in Egypt, this 40-year period in Moses' life in Midian is also relatively silent. We don't, we don't hear much about what happens in Moses' life during these 40 years. So that's all that we know. So this is another relatively uh, long and silent period in Moses' life. But we must remember, let me remind you uh, this morning, we must remember that if, that if God is silent, how many knows that does not mean that God has forgotten. I expected a better amen. Do it, do it for the tape, all right? I said, if, if God is silent, that doesn't mean God has forgotten, amen? amen. There, thank you. That's, that's better. Just because, just because we don't see anything happening does not mean that God is not working. Just because we don't see things happening doesn't mean God's forgotten doesn't mean God's sitting on his hands. It doesn't mean God has forgotten about us or that God is not working. In fact, God is always at work. God is always working. Remember, Jesus reminded us of that. He told, uh, he told those in the New Testament, he says, my father is always working, and so I'm at work also. Because my father is always at work, I'm always at, at work. So chapter 2 ends with these words, uh, this is the end of chapter 2. During those many days, 40 years, the king of Egypt died. The people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. They cried out for help. And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. So for 40 years, 40 years might have seemed like a long time for Moses who was a prince of Egypt and who was a future prophet of God, might have seemed like a long time for Moses to do nothing more 
than just tend sheep in a, in a foreign land. However, I mean, it, was, it was all part of God's plan, and God was working his plan. God was working his plan because God is always working his plan. So let's read. Uh, pick up now in, in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse number 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight while the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him, called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you were standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and a broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Verse 12, but, and he said, But I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Now, uh, recently I had a conversation with a woman as we were, uh, we were both waiting for our vehicles to be uh, serviced. And uh, uh, she, she told me she was actually she was a substance abuse counselor. And uh, when she discovered that I was a pastor, she was excited. She said, can I show you something? I said, sure. And so she took out a pad of paper, and um, she, uh, she showed me, she wanted to show me a presentation that she often used. And so on the pad of paper, she, she drew a line across the um, page, and it was a line with hills and valleys, a wavy line with hills and valleys, and hills and peaks and troughs, and peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs. And she asked me, she said, now, if this line... Uh, represents life, somebody's life, with its ups and its downs. How many of you know what I'm talking about this morning? Our life have, lives have ups and downs, peaks and valleys, right? <laughs> she says, so this line represents somebody's life with its ups and its downs, its high moments and its low moments, its good experiences and its bad experiences, its successes and its failures she asked me where upon this line do you say that a person learns more and grows the most 
Where do you think people learn the most and grow the most along this, along this line? And so I quickly answered. I said, well, it's, in my opinion, it's in the valleys that people learn more and they grow the most during the bad experiences in, in their life. She agreed. And then she, she proceeded to show me how she used that diagram. She drew several other diagrams on the page and she started to show me how she uses that diagram to counsel her patients, most of whom are in the lowest point in, in their life. So she uses that to, to um, illustrate to them that they can have hope and that they can come out of, of that valley. Now, her theory was mostly, was mostly humanistic um, because um, failure and misfortune, she said, provides us, this is her theory, failure and misfortune provides us with the opportunity to evaluate our lives, to summon our inner strength and for us to resolve to do better and to pursue better goals in our life. I mean, that's pretty good advice. It's humanistic um, advice. In fact, I don't really, I don't disagree with her that much because those things are, are not bad. That when we have the opportunity to evaluate our life, how many knows we ought to evaluate our life? We ought to consider taking an inventory of our life. So those things are, are not bad. It's, it's just this. It's just that those things are never enough. Those things are never enough. After all, um, it's usually what has preceded some previous attempt that we have made to pull ourselves up out of the valley, pull ourselves up out of some bad experience. We've stopped and evaluated ourselves. We've resolved to do better, to try harder. We've summoned our own inner strength to do what we think is possible for us to do. And maybe for a moment we can, we can get the line going this way for a little while, but then what happens? We crash and we burn again. So those human efforts, they never they never go far enough, and they never ultimately succeed. In fact, since, since we are the ones that are continually getting ourselves into trouble, how many knows we cannot trust ourselves to save ourselves from, from trouble? And it's only, it's only when we admit that, it's only when we admit that that we have any hope. For salvation. It's only when we admit that we're the problem, we're the one that got us here, so it's impossible for me to get myself, pick myself up out of this problem because I'm the one that got me in this situation. The value, what I want you to hear this morning is that the value of a valley in our life is not that it can teach us to trust in ourselves but the value of a valley is that it might teach us to trust in God. <laughs> to recognize that without his help and without him that we cannot save our, ourselves. 
He is our hope, and He is our salvation. That's why, listen, that's why the low points in our life, they are. I agree with her. They're excellent opportunities for us to learn and for us to grow. Sure, there are those valleys, those troughs, those failures in our life. Uh, those are places that can reveal important truth about ourselves. But of much more consequence is this. Those places are also places where God can reveal himself to us. And we can see him. So we see that in these opening verses of, of Exodus chapter 3. Moses had spent 40 years tending to the flock of Jethro. It may not have been the life that Moses had imagined for himself, but listen, there's no indication that this life was a difficult life. There's no indication that he was unhappy uh, about this life or that it was a difficult kind of existence. In fact, the name Jethro means excelling or abundance. Um, so it seems that Jethro was, was wealthy, that he was a wealthy man, or at least he was a man that was blessed. He had flocks. He had large flocks. And it's fair to assume that Moses, his son-in-law, shared in his abundance because he had married Jethro's daughter. So there's every indication that Moses was living it. Again, it wasn't maybe the life that he had thought for himself, but it was probably a comfortable life because he was living with Jethro, a, a wealthy man. Moreover, the Bible says that Jethro was a priest, the priest of Midian, which, mean that, which meant that Jethro at least had a rudimentary knowledge of and an experience with God since he was, as I pointed out, he was also a descendant of Abraham. So he, he didn't have a perfect faith, he didn't have a complete faith, but he at least had some knowledge um, about God. And Moses had spent 40 years in Jethro's household enjoying his abundance, hearing about his God, and yet, listen, and yet it was not until he went one day to the west side of the wilderness to a place that the Bible says was in the vicinity of Horeb. It says that he went to Horeb. That word actually could mean that he went in the direction of. He was in the vicinity of Horeb to a place near Mount Sinai that Moses had an encounter with God that would change his life. Forty years he spent in abundance. Forty years he spent in Jethro's household. Never once did he have an experience with, with God. It wasn't until he went to the west side of the wilderness wasn't until he went to the land of Horeb that he had an experience with God and that God revealed himself uh, to him. Now, it's not clear in our English translations, but the Bible indicates that this place where he went to the west side of the wilderness, to the vicinity of Horeb, the Bible indicates that this was not a place that Moses would have typically led his father's flock that this was not a place he was accustomed uh, to going. It was further west than he was wont to go, and it was more isolated than the usual grazing areas where he took his father-in-law's 
flock. In fact, the word Horeb means desolate. It was a desolate wilderness place. And, and we don't know why Moses ventured into this desolate place, but probably it was out of necessity that he had to go to this desolate, desolate place. If Jethro was a wealthy man, that meant that he had many flocks. <laughs> he had lots of sheep and lots of, lots of goats. Therefore, food and water was always in high demand for such a sizable flock. In fact, a sizable grazing flock could quickly deplete even a large pasture land uh, area. Therefore, it's probably out of necessity uh, that Moses went to this desolate place. It was, it was in a desperate search for food and for water for the flocks that Moses ventured into this desolate place. But here's the thing, here's the point. It would be in this valley that God would reveal himself to Moses in this, in this desolate place. Not in, not in a place of abundance, <laughs> not in a place of comfort and ease, not in a place of security, it would be in this desolate valley that God would reveal himself to Moses. Now, I know that there is an opinion that God never, that God never ordains anything bad for believers. And listen, technically I, technically, I agree with that. However, listen to me closely this morning. That does not mean that God does not cause adverse conditions in our life which will eventually lead to our ultimate advantage. God can. In fact, I believe that the witness of Scripture is clear that God does sometimes cause adverse conditions if they will ultimately lead to our advantage. Because he is a good God. Do you see the distinction there between those two thoughts? I believe that, I believe that God does sometimes cause grass to wither and water to dry up so that we will come to a place where he can reveal himself to us in a way that we have never known him before. God can dry up grass and dry up water to lead us to a place where, where we'll see God like we've never seen him uh, before. In fact, if God causes me temporary pain for the purpose of his eternal glory, then I have to agree with Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, which says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And who is a better friend than Jesus Christ? Amen. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. And and I will join with Job any day and I will say the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Not once. During 40 years of abundance that he had enjoyed in the household of Jethro, did Moses ever receive a revelation of God. Not once in 40 years of security in Jethro's house, a man who was the, Midian, uh, was the priest of Midian. Not once did he have an encounter, 
uh, with God. It wasn't until the necessity of hunger and the necessity of thirst drove him to a desolate place that God showed up in that valley and revealed himself uh, to Moses. The Bible, is that somebody's phone? We'll pause and as <laughs> that's all right. In fact, the Bible says, um, the Bible says that God appeared to Moses in a flame of fire that came out of the midst of, of a bush. Moses, the Bible says Moses saw it, and uh, that in particular, he noticed that although the bush was burning, that the bush wasn't burning up. And there's a whole message that, that we could preach this morning about how we can burn with a zeal for God and not burn up, amen? But I have to leave that message for, for another day. But it was then, here's the point I want to make. It was then that Moses made a decision that changed the rest of his life when he saw that burning bush. He said, did you see it in the passage? It said, I will turn aside and I will see this great sight. Now, that might seem unremarkable to you that Moses would decide, I'm going to go and I'm going to check this sight out, this phenomenon that this bush is on fire but it's not burning up. But let me tell you, it was significant that Moses made that decision because the Bible says when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see the sight, that it was then that God called out to him out of the bush. Who knows, that was an important decision that Moses made. I'll turn aside and I'll see this, this sight. It was because of that that God chose to spoke to Moses, to call out to him out of the bush. In fact, Moses' decision in that desolate place determined the destiny that God had planned for him. If, he had, if Moses had decided not to turn aside, to not see the burning bush, then God would not have called out to him in that instance, and, and we would be left to wonder how the story might have turned out. Um, would Moses be given another opportunity? We don't know. Would God have chosen someone else to lead Israel? We don't know. In fact, those, those are pointless discussions because the fact of the matter is Moses did choose to investigate. He did decide to turn aside and to check the situation out. God did call him as a result of that. But that doesn't diminish the magnitude of the decision that Moses had to make um, in that moment. You might say, well, yeah, but that was a no-brainer. I mean, if you see a bush that's on fire and it's not burning up, you're going to go check that out, uh, aren't you? It sounds like a no-brainer. Not necessarily. How many of those are... There are many reasons why Moses might have, might not have turned aside to see the burning bush. I mean, out of indifference, he could have just turned around and walked away. Oh, that's interesting, but I've got more important things to do over here. Out of necessity, he could have turned away. I wish I had time to check that out, but I've got to go tend the flock, and so that's going to have to wait for another day. So out of necessity, he could have turned away and walked. Out of fear, <laughs> He could, have, he could have run away, right? I'm, I'm not convinced that that's not what I would have done if I'd have seen a bush that was burning and wasn't being consumed. I might have turned and ran uh, out of fear. So there's, there's a lot of reasons why he could have turned and walked away. But out of, but out of interest, 
um, out of something in his heart, the Bible says he turned, he made a decision, he turned aside, and that, to allude to Robert Frost, that made all of the difference in Moses' life, that he decided, I'm going to turn aside, and I'm going to see this sight. Now, I want to emphasize that point this morning because I believe it's, I believe it's supremely important for, for each one of us. The decisions, listen to me this morning, the decisions that you make when you are in the desolate places of your life, those are choices that can change your future. The choices that you make when you're in a, the decisions that you make when you're in a desolate place, those are choices that can change, change your future. One of this morning, have you ever thought about what you would do if you, if you won, the, won the lottery. Oh, don't look so spiritual this morning. <laughs> I know you're wondering, you're saying, I, um, should I admit that or not in church? I'm not, have you, come on, have you ever thought about what you would do if you ever won the lottery before? Yeah, yeah we, we all have entertained uh, <laughs> some version of that fantasy, uh, haven't we? We've all made plans how we'll spend those millions of dollars that, that we'll receive if one day we strike it rich, if we're, if we're lucky. Listen, I've even dreamed about it, and I don't play the lottery. <laughs> but what would it be like if I won a million dollars? So, yeah, we've, we've all entertained that, decisions we would make, things we would do if one day we get rich, if one day we make it big, if one day the right circumstances converge in our life, you know, we encounter this. We've, we've all played that game before. What we don't always consider, what we don't always think about are the choices that we will make when we're at rock bottom, the decisions that we're going to make when we're in a desolate place, when we're going through times of adversity, when we're going through times of want, uh, in our life. But I would submit to you this morning that the choices that we make, the decisions that we make when we're in those desolate places where things are not going right in our life, those times when we are in dry and thirsty places in our life, those are the decisions that have the power to change our life forever. Those are the decisions that we should consider. Those are, the, I, my pastor one time preached a message that, and listen, I know how it works, okay? I can remember probably three or four sermons that my pastor ever preached before. So I know that you forget all of my sermons. That doesn't even hurt my feelings anymore. But I remember one sermon that my pastor preached, and it was decide what you're going to decide before you have to decide. Make up your mind what you're going to do before the moment comes when you have to make a decision about what you're going to do. So without having a single-minded kind of, kind of heart. I believe it's, it's those choices, it's the decisions that we make when times are hard and when we're in a dry and a thirsty place, a desolate place, those are the decisions that have the power to change our life. And so we should consider what, what am I going to do? What decision would I make? And here's the thing. This is why it's so important. God, 
God is in those desolate places in your life. It may even be that he has created the conditions that would bring you to that place in your life. And you may wonder, God, I don't understand how you could be involved in this, why you would do this. I get that. We don't have all of the answers for how God does that, why God does that, because how many knows his ways are so much higher than, than our ways. But it may be that God has created the conditions to bring you to that place because he wants to reveal himself to you in a way that you have never known him before. Just like Moses. God created the condition. I'm convinced God created the conditions that made it necessary for him to go further west and to go into that desolate valley that he had never been in before just so that God could appear to him in a burning bush and give Moses the opportunity to turn aside and, and to see. So Moses made a good decision. He turned aside to see and when he turned aside to see God revealed himself to him and called out to him and said Moses Moses and Moses responded what here I am this is why that's such a important decision that Moses made Moses made the decision to turn aside because he was saying there's something here that I need to investigate there's something here that has some significance that I don't want to miss this this moment I'm not gonna waste this moment I may have other things other priorities in my life but I recognize that this is a moment that has potential in my life and I don't want to miss out on what might be taking place in in my life and so Moses made himself available to God that's why, that's why this situation, why Moses' decision was so important because he made himself available to God for whatever it was that God wanted to do in his life. And if we don't make ourselves available to him, even in the desolate places and the difficult times, I wish I had a dollar for every time, but I would take a quarter for every time. <laughs> That somebody told me, you know, I'm just going through a situation right now, and I know one day I'm going to get things together, and I'm going to get back in church, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. And I'm, my question is, what are you going to do now in the difficult times in your life? Because it's the decision that you make in the difficult times that's going to determine your future, and it's going to determine uh, your destiny. God made himself, I mean, Moses made himself available to God. And in that moment, God revealed himself to Moses in a way that Moses had never seen and never experienced. He had never experienced. I, I'm, I believe that he was acquainted with the God of the Hebrews. We know that he knew he was Hebrew. We know that he had some information about God. And as I said, Jethro was a priest, and so he had probably told him some about God. But he did, but in the valley, he experienced God at a level that he had never experienced God before. In fact, there's something interesting that takes place in the, in the text when you watch it closely. 
it says that Moses hid himself because he was afraid of, and it puts a definite article in front of God there. It's not just God, but he was afraid of the God. <laughs> he understood that maybe what Jethro had told him about God, what he had learned about God up to that point had all been theoretical. It had been what somebody else had explained to him about God. But in the wilderness, in the west side of the wilderness, he had a personal experience with God, a personal revelation of God. And it was there that he understood this is the God, the almighty God, the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He had an experience there in the, with the holiness of the holiness and the magnitude of God that, that shook him. In fact, did you notice after God reveals himself in, in all of his holiness and then he calls Moses and he said, Moses, I'm going to use you. I've heard the, the, um, I've heard the pleas. I've heard the cries of my people and I'm going to deliver them. And Moses, I'm going to use you to come. I'm going to send you to deliver my people. Did you notice how quickly Moses has gone from, well, here I am, to, what does he say next? Who am I? <laughs> when God first spoke to Moses, Moses was saying, here I am, whatever. But then when he had a vision of God, the holiness and the magnitude of God, Moses is taken aback and he says, Lord, who am I? I'm not, listen, when you get a, when you get a vision of how big, how mighty, how glorious God is, then that'll be your response. Lord, who, who am I? God, I'm not, I'm not equal to the task that you are calling me to. But I love God's response next to Abraham. I mean, to, to Moses. When Moses says, Lord, who am I? Who am I to go to, to, to Pharaoh and demand that he let your people go? Again, the, the English translation doesn't do it justice. God says to Moses there in um, verse number 12. Moses says in verse number 12, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Egypt, uh, Israel out of Egypt? And God said, But I will be with you. The power of that verse is actually, God is saying to Moses, No, 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 Moses. You've missed the point. It's not about who you are. Moses, God says, it's about who I am. <laughs> so Moses, you missed the point. It's not about the fact that I think you're smart enough, you're capable enough. You're not all that, <laughs> but I am. In fact, next week we'll talk more about that as God, has, as God reveals himself to Moses as the I am. So Moses says, who am I? And, and God says, well, you're not much, <laughs> but I am, and I will be with you, and I will, and I will help you. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Who am I, God? Well, it's not up to you. Moses, that's, that's not the point. You've missed the point. The point is, is that I am, and I will be with, I will be with you. Who, listen, can I tell you this morning, who you are 
is not nearly as important as who God is. Amen? You may be feeling this morning insignificant. You may be feeling like you are in that desolate place. You may be saying this morning, Lord, who am I? But God is saying back to you this morning, <laughs> that's not the point. The point is, I am, and I will be with you. Pastor Mike, Mike, would you come to the piano this morning? I'm going to ask you if you would to bow your head, close your eyes this morning. I feel like that this is a word for somebody here today because I feel like that you may be in a place in your life maybe not completely analogous to where Moses found himself but maybe you're at a place where you're questioning and you're wondering God why am I here I don't understand what's going on in my life maybe you feel like you're in a desolate place this morning and I want I want to encourage you today and tell you that wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, listen, God, God is there. God is, God, he has promised he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. God is there and he's waiting to see if you're going to turn aside. Say, God, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why you led me to this place. I don't understand the situations that I'm in, the conditions that I'm going through, but God, I choose to believe that I'm here for a purpose. God, I choose to believe that you want to do something in my life. God, I choose to believe that this is a moment in which you desire to reveal yourself to me in a way, in a measure that I've never experienced you before. And it may be that God has led you to this moment for this very purpose, that he can show more of himself to you than you've ever seen before. Thank you for listening today. If you have any questions or would like more information about following Jesus Christ, please contact us at gladtidings.church. If you live near Dunn, North Carolina, please consider visiting our church on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can also download our church app in the iTunes or Google Play app store and receive updates and notifications. You may use the app to make a financial gift to help support our ministry. God bless you.